Thank you for listening to this Table Church Sermon Podcast. Our sermon series is called Rhythms of the Soul, and we're exploring some of the habits and practices that connect us with God. We believe that you can have a walking, talking relationship with God, and this series is all about helping you do just that. We pray you find this sermon helpful in some way. Feel free to reach out by emailing us at hello at tablechurchdsm.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. I love this. You guys are ready to go. That's awesome. When we did the volunteer service earlier, they didn't give me that much love. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you all. Don't tell them that. <laughs> we may not have volunteers next week. Huh? All right. Um, let us pray before we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to be in front of these people here today. Uh, Father, only use me as a vessel to communicate what you have in store for us. Uh, may your spirit move in us. Uh, may you work on our hearts and may you grow us closer to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray and believe. Amen. Amen. All right. For those who do not know me, my name is Moses Bumet. I'm the uh, mission director here at Table Church alongside Taryn. Um, we work on items in relation to the community here in Des Moines, how we can serve, and also abroad uh, through the mission of Table Church. Buona asifiwe. All right. We've got to do that again. We've got to do that again. Redo. Amina, you got it right down here. Buona asifiwe. All right. Today I have the privilege of sharing about a topic that God has moved greatly in my life over the last five years. It's a topic that usually raises eyebrows. It's a topic that stumps pastors on how to present it. It's a topic that makes or breaks churches. It's a topic that Jesus in the Bible, in his parables, talks about it in one-third of his parables. It's about generosity and specifically money. I know, right? Phil used me on this one as an escape god, huh? <laughs> Actually, that's far from the truth because really I'll be sharing my heart of how God has moved in this aspect of generous- generosity. And I hope as I share, you may learn a few things along the way. So to start off, we're going to start off with an exercise that requires audience participation, okay? So I'm going to ask a few questions here, and I just want you to shoot your hands up really quickly if this applies to you. Do not be shy, okay? All right. How many of you were greeted at the door today by someone? That should be everyone, because that would be kind of awkward. How many of you had a cup of coffee when you came in? Some of you, okay. How many of you have been to the ministry center? Awesome. How many of you had a, had a meeting, maybe one-on-one, with Pastor Phil or Pastor Megan? Okay. How many of you have kids and actually happen to have kids right now in the kids' ministry? Okay. How many of you ha- are in the process or have completed the discipleship pathway? Amazing. How many of you have been a part of a table group? Wow, wonderful. How many of you in the last year have heard of someone here at the sanctuary that has perhaps moved you in your heart to change something about your life? Mm -hmm. 
Last but not least, how many of you have felt God's presence as we worship here on Sunday morning? Amen. We'll come back to why I ask these questions at the end of my sermon. So, but before we dive into the points that I have today, we need to figure out some few fundamentals. So first, what is generosity? Generosity at its core is a lifestyle. A lifestyle in which we share all that we have, are, or will ever become as a demonstration of God's love and a response to God's grace. So from this, number one, we see it's a lifestyle. It's not something that you just decide, saying, hey, today I'm going to be generous, and then tomorrow maybe not so much. It's not something you decide and say, because I have so much in my life, now I start to become generous. It is what you do always. As Tim said last week when we preached on the spiritual disciplines of worship, he said, for these spiritual disciplines to take place, we have to do three things, he said, right? He said, number one, we have to do it intentionally. Number two, we got to do it sacrificially. And number three, we got to do it habitually. Church, for us to be living a generous life, we have to actively work on it. You see, um, I, I like technology and different gadgets and things. And one of the things that I really use on my day-to-day life in many ways is Apple products. Okay? I've got AirPods Pro. I've got my iPhone right here. I have my iWatch right here. I've got an iPad at home. I've got a MacBook Pro. I have a MacBook Mini for work. Man, have they sold me out on their stuff. While I think about that, I say, you know, one might say maybe Moses is living the Apple's lifestyle, right? But could the same be said about my generosity? Could the same be said about how I choose to spend my time and the gifts that the Lord has given me? Number two, it's a continuum, past, present, and future. You've all had this million-dollar statement, right? When I have blank, I will give blank. When I have time, I will volunteer. When I get this job, then I will start to help other people. When I have enough money, then I will give it to the church. I'm sorry to break it to you. We are creatures of selfish desires and unquenchable thirst. We will never have enough. If only I could sing just like Mara does here on stage, this would be where I'll be singing Never Enough from The Greatest Showman. <laughs> but maybe next time, huh? This also reminds me of a scene in the movie Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, where the character of Jake Moore asks the questions of the character of Brenton James. And he's talking to him, talking about money and making money and deals and amassing all this wealth. And he says, you see, I find that everyone has a number and actually a specific number to be exact, a number that they would exit this game of Wall Street. And he asks his questions. And Brenton James' character looks at him, smiles a little bit, and says, more. Church, the only way to live a generous life is to start today with what you have. Number three, it's a response to God. The cross is the greatest symbol of God. It's the greatest symbol of unmatched and unparalleled generosity. Sorry, just one second. My notes got mixed up. My apologies. All right. Um, 
It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be no sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. His reckless love and his relentless grace should inspire and position us to respond with generous hearts. We give because he gave us the free gift of salvation that we didn't deserve. Our most valuable possession is faith in Jesus Christ, and we have done absolutely nothing to earn it. Therefore, as we read scripture, pray and live our daily lives of serving the King of Kings, we need to participate in his kingdom's work. We need to live a lifestyle in which we share all that we have are or will ever become as a demonstration of God's love and a response of God's grace. Buona sifiwe. All right, now let's jump to our three points today of how we should give generously and cheerfully. So reason number one, it is for our hearts. It says in 2 Corinthians, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give us, he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. So let me be clear. We do not, at Table Church, support the health and wealth gospel. In fact, we're very far from it. We exist to invite people to the way of Jesus. And if you study the way of Jesus as it is portrayed in the gospel, he was living a very generous life. You might say he was generous with his time because he was a great teacher and a great mentor to his disciples. Number two, with his talent, Maybe not so much his talent, but I had to keep with the T's. So track with me here. He had power and glory. We get that. And number three, treasure. His teachings are light into the kingdom of heaven and our salvation through him. This is worth more than everything. I want to be clearly understood. I'm not saying give to the church so you can get something in return. And to be honest, the church will exist without your money. But your soul will be unhealthy with it. Giving to the church will make you healthy and wealthy, but not as the world will define it. It will make you healthy because your heart will be healthy. It will make you wealthy because your faith in Jesus will be the most valuable possession that you could ever possess. In order to be truly free from the shackles and chains that money can enslave you, you have to live a generous life. It's usually at this point the people will say, Moses, how do I know the money of the church that I'm giving to the church has been spent well? Doesn't God call us to be good stewards of our resources? Well, see, a few years back, when I was looking at uh, churches, excuse me, <clears throat> I was looking at churches even before I was married and even after we were married with Nyla, I would kind of Look at different churches. You know, this church shopping, right? You, you go around, you visit a, a service, uh, maybe you listen to a podcast, maybe you look online and see what kind of doctrines they have, their theology, their beliefs. Well, I went an extra step further, usually. I would go and find out how are they spending their money. I would look and say, hmm, 
The administrative line seems a little bit big. A pastor might be making a lot of money, huh? The missions item is pretty small. Shouldn't they give more to the community? I had to wrestle and ask myself, what was the motivation behind this, Moses? Was the motivation so that you can turn back and give more into the church or find the right church to give more to? Or is it simply because you are finding every reason not to give to the church? See, in Mark 10, when Jesus is talking with the rich man, they have this conversation saying, hey, what can I do to get into the kingdom of God, Jesus? And he says, all right, have you done this? Yes, I have followed this law. Yes, I've, I've, I've loved my neighbor. You're right. Yes, I've done this. I do this. All these things. Check, 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 check. He says, okay, rich man, you've done everything. I just need you to do one more thing. Go home. Sell everything you've got, give it to the poor, and come follow me. He puts his head down and walks away, sad. And Jesus says, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Church, America is the richest country in the world. We should be worried when we read such things. Again, you will probably say, Moses, I'm not rich, huh? Okay, let's do, let, let's do a quick exercise, three questions. Number one, do you have a roof over your head? Number two, do you make at least $24,000 a year? And number three, do you have food and clean water? If you said yes to any of those questions, you are rich by the standards of this world. If you, the encounter of Jesus and the rich man is not about how much possession he has and what he has to give. It's simply that he trusted his possessions more than his faith in Jesus. His faith only went so far and Jesus found that line. The irony of this story is that one thing is eternal and the other is mortal. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Buenas if you were church. Reason number two for the service of others. See, years after moving into Des Moines, I kind of made a sudden discovery. So I was looking at the hospitals here in Des Moines. I found out that they have a lot of connotations, symbols, maybe even in the terminology of things related to the Christian thought. Massey Warren has a cross right on the logo. Iowa Lutheran Hospital. Iowa Methodist Hospital, which merged to become Unity Point. All these hospitals have foundations of Christian service. Well, I'm not fully educated on how they stand today in their faith or not. That's not the point I'm trying to make. What I'm saying is people, maybe even hundreds or so years ago, came together in this community and said, we want to care for the sick. A friend of mine was traveling to Kenya with me during a trip to go to um, help serve some of the schools that we're working with with a charitable organization. And he made an observation. said, Moses, every single time I see a school, I see a church. Or every school that we see, 
there's a church that's a sponsor of it. How come? I said, you know, they are the ones who brought education. The missionaries brought education to us. The church are the ones who support our churches. And he's not a believer. And he looked at me and said, Moses, I wonder if the church in America would do the same. If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner. He shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him food for profit. Leviticus 25, 35 through 37. I think I will just put it plainly, church. We cannot be followers of Jesus if we're not generous to serve his people. Your faith is not complete in Jesus if you cannot love and care for his image bearers. He told us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And other than loving God, he said that's the greatest commandment. Our wealth is to be used to better our our community at large. And what better way than to utilize it in the church community? We simply can't have faith in Jesus and love money at the same time. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and you will love another, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, before I moved to the U.S., um, I, would, I, I just finished my primary school education. You see, in Kenya, we have to sit on a, on a national examination in eighth grade. And determining on how you perform in this education, in this test, you, it determines which school you go to for high school. It's for the whole country. So I performed fairly well, and I was admitted to a prestigious and a private school. But that meant money. And my father couldn't afford. He looked and looked and looked and looked and he couldn't afford for me to go to this school. Backtrack a few months before and even the holidays when I was home from school, I used to take care on my dad's farm, his cows. I used to go with the milkman early in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, I'd be out there milking with him. I'd get all the milk that we get from morning and even in the evening and sell it for the milk business and turn in all the profits and the monies to my father. So I'll be out in the field with the cows. I'll be figuring out what kind of feed they needed. If one was sick, we had to get the vet. During this time, my dad received a gift from our former president. It was a bull, a really nice bull. It was a good breed that would help improve the genes and the seed of our cows. And I remember being a young boy with this big beast. And I would be walking it wherever I needed it to go in the different pastures and different areas so that it was well fed, well taken care of. Because it was only one bull and we had to make sure he was doing well. So when this time came for school fees for Moses, my dad was faced with an important dilemma and a decision to make. He had to sell the bull for me to go to school. You see, in our tribe, cows are the most valuable possessions. They are wealth to us. It has a huge part into our hearts. And for his son's education, it was more important than his cows. This is why I will forever 
be in service to my family. Because my father gave me his best, I will forever give my family my best. If my earthly father can do this for me, what more can the heavenly father above do if I can only trust him with what I have? What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and, no one, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James 2, 14 through 17. Buonas if you're a church. Reason number three and the final reason. For it all belongs to him. Have you ever been a part of a debate, maybe with other people in the church, on how much to give? Some might say, give what you have. Some might say, give 10%. Some might say, do the inverse, give 90%. Some might say, well, wait until later to start giving. And the list goes on and on. Maybe you haven't talked about it out loud. Maybe you've thought about it in your mind. So let's first understand what tithing means. Tithing is a term commonly used today to mean setting aside a certain amount of one's income for God. Typically, a tithe refers to a tenth of one's income because the word literally means tenth, but it's often generalized to mean any amount of money set aside for God. This is traditionally given to the local church. In fact, we can see in Leviticus it says a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belong to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. This gives what a reminder that everything belonged to God and a portion of it was given back to God to thank Him for what we had received. Therefore, do you see the irony of this discussion on how much to give? All belongs to Him. It's not yours. It's like we took out a loan that we are making payments on and we will never be able to pay it off for the rest of our lives. But by choosing to pay it, it will change our lives forever. See, after I was married to Nyla, we sat down and we had this discussion of figuring out our finances, our income coming in and our expenses. And I'll be honest, church, it was not a good time. Because one plus one did not equal two. This was here, and this was here. And then we got to the part of the church. And I grew up knowing that I'd give 10% no matter what. And Nala grew up knowing that, hey, I give from what I have. And so we had to think, how do we reconcile this? And we were looking, and we were trying to figure out how do you do the rent, and how do you pay the student loans, and how do you give to the church? And we said, you know what? We will start here. But let's agree on this percent that as we grow, as we move, it increases, it increases, it increases over time. As God is faithful to us, we become more faithful to him. And, Lord, and church, let me tell you, he has been extremely faithful to us. He has been. If we truly believe everything, and I mean everything, our jobs, our incomes, our house, our clothes, our cars, everything is his. We will have a completely different outlook in life. We live. We will live 100% for him because nothing else matters. As the psalmist said, he is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in him. He remains faithful forever. 
He has been faithful to me so far in the study years of my life. He will be faithful to each and every one of you. Buenas if you're a church. My American mom, Cheryl, one time we were sitting on the dinner table and I had a question for her. And I said, Cheryl, you see, I'm trying to figure out. I know I got to give to the church. But also, what about these charitable organizations, whether faith-based or not? How does this work? How do I reconcile this? And she gave me the best advice that I've used up to today. She said, Moses, it is important to give to these organizations. In fact, we are called to do it, right? Reason number two, for the service of those poor and needy, those who need us. But she said, you have to give your lion's share to your local church because they're spiritually feeding you. About a year ago, I personally experienced through this church this, a level of generosity that blew my mind away. Actually, I stand corrected. God moved in a mighty way. About a year ago, we, is when we acquired the ministry center that we have here at Table Church. You see, when, when we, when we, before we decided, we had discussions, and we knew we needed it. We knew we would use it. We knew it, had worth, it was a worthwhile investment for the church. But how do we pay for it? So we said we will fundraise some, because then we will have a good deposit, and then we'll borrow the rest. So I was talking to Phil and, even, and, and the rest of the staff members. And I remember with Phil, we talked about it, and Phil said, you know, um, let's see what the district can do. So he, he said he was going to go to the district. Tim, who was here yesterday, he was going to go to Tim, uh, yesterday, last week, sorry. He was going to go to Tim and say, hey, Tim, how much can you give us? And Phil told me, we talked about this, we were thinking maybe $20,000, $30,000, right? All right. Tim says, hold on, let me go to my boss. So he goes all the way to the top of the denomination and says, how much can we do for Table Church? Guys on the top say, we'll give 100000 Tim says, we'll give 100000 If you guys come up with 100000 we're like, what did you just say? You sure you didn't have an extra zero in there? Then we come to us and I'm like, I mean, I believe, but... Dude, it's COVID. We're a small church. We we're going to get 100 grand. But you guys moved in mighty ways. You guys blessed us in mighty ways. And we hit our target. And we were able to purchase this building. All without any single debt. This building has served in many great ways. But today I want to highlight Rise Up Tutoring. This is a program we do every Tuesday where we serve with these kids. We are mentoring them. We are tutoring them. We are empowering them. We are encouraging them. With one-on-one, we have an adult and a student. An adult and a student. Some of you in here are a part of that program. These are kids who come from homes where their parents are working second shift, third shift, so they're not home. So otherwise, they will be home with their seventh grader or eighth grader taking care of them. And because of your generosity, they have a safe space to go to. Because of your generosity, we have the materials that we have. I'd like to be very transparent with the church right now at this point. Because, you know, when we started a stable church, our financial support came from the district. 
But then, you know, we knew there was an end date that would happen. And that day has come and has passed. You know what, guys? We, we were a baby, right? And we we're trying to figure out how, how to do this thing called life. And we were crawling, we were crawling. But now we're on our two feet. Now we're on our two feet. We've got to figure out how to do this thing on our own. So currently for our budget, which is ending here in May, we're coming in short on about $15,000. Yes, we have some savings that we can dip into to complete the year. Frankly, I believe we should rather not because I believe in you guys. I believe you guys can help us get where we need to be. But before you run out in panic mode and think the church is about to fold or we run out of money, guys... We serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who saw us through buying this building, the one who has seen us through COVID up until today. We will not fold. Buenas if you I would like to invite Phil up here on stage for a short exercise. Because sometimes, you know, we talk about money and talk about 15,000, 20,000, 100,000. Sometimes you can't really wrap your head around this, right? So let's clap for Phil as he comes on stage. Here we go. Awesome. So, so picture this as table church with our, with, with our phones here in the church. Okay? So, I'm going to do a little exercise here. Phil's going to help me out. Hey, Phil, we got to pay the weekly playhouse rent. You pulled our cost for that? Hmm. The ministry center needs to utilities. Right? Oh, wait, oh, wait. We, 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 are, we are the service. Tithes and offerings. Local mission costs rise up to support the schools. Oh, wait, the trips, international trips. Coffee with Phil. Come on. Oh, wait, you got to get paid somehow. We got to pull that out. All right. Another service comes around. Okay. Oh, wait, we got to upgrade our... Our, our, our equipment, you know? Okay, pull that out. Okay, another service comes around. Kids' ministry need materials. Hmm. I don't see so much remaining, guys. See where I'm going with this? Today is a special Sunday for us. Unfortunately, in a bitter, sweet way. While our team of Phil, Megan, Natalie, Jay, Taryn, Brenton, Isabella, and I serve you guys, today we lose two great pillars. We don't lose them because of a bad thing, but because God has chose them to move in a different direction. I would like to invite Brenton and Isabella here on stage. See, when I talked about Rise Up, and you saw some of those photos. I talked about how it's a big part of the ministry center. There is no rise up if we do not put Brenton in that. Simply put. He's been our program coordinator. He's the one who has helped from the beginning, looking for the families, talking to the families with me, trying to go there, trying to, when we were doing it at, the, uh, at Cottage Grove Church, when we were doing it at our church office because of COVID we shut down until we went to the ministry center, working with the tutors, training them. And he has been a solid guy, man. He's never been gone. 
has never canceled on us. Every single week, he's there ready to participate. I'll say this before I turn it over to Phil. You know, I'm only 30 years old, but I find that Brenton is younger than I. And the maturity level of this young man, I tell you what, is very high. It's extremely high. His heart for service, his heart for the community, his heart for people is amazing. So I want to turn it over to Phil. Yeah, so like Moses said, Brenton uh, and Isabella have just accepted a position in Chicago. They're going to be full-time foster parents with SOS. What's it called? SOS? Children's Children's Village. Village. Yes, look it up online. Pretty cool organization. They're going to live in a neighborhood of foster families. And um, it's it's, um, bittersweet, like Moses said, because, well, I'll just tell the story real quick. Uh, In November of 2018, I preached a sermon at my former church where I told them that I was going to leave that church and move to Des Moines in order to plant Table Church. I was on staff there. After that message was over, I was out in the lobby and I met a young man named Brenton, had never met him before, and he said to me, he said, I think that God is calling me to move to Des Moines with you and help you start this new church. I said, okay, I'm listening. And so we got together a couple times over the next couple weeks and just tried to pray and discern if this really was what God was calling him to do. And sure enough, uh, Brenton felt like God was prompting him to, to, to move to this new city that he'd never been to before. Um, look, I cannot probably even remember all the things that Brenton has done since we started Table Church and even before we launched. But I remember sweltering August afternoons where he went with me door to door through neighborhoods in Des Moines just to tell people that Table Church was starting. Brenton would lead our dollar car wash events. He's led the earliest iterations of our teen group. He leads a table group. They, he, like Moses just said, the program director for Rise Up. And most recently, he's come on staff as our part-time administrative assistant. The only thing I've never heard Brenton say is no. <laughs> through the tumultuous years of COVID church planting, Brenton has been a rock for me, and it, I cannot express how much that has meant. And it only got sweeter when he met a young lady named Isabella, and they got married, and then she joined our family as well, and she's been leading our, our Table Tots team for the last few months. Natalie, my wife Natalie and Isabella have been going through the Discipleship Pathway and forged a really close relationship through that as well. And so all that to say, um, you guys are going to be missed. You're going to leave a big hole in our church, a big hole in my heart as well. And we're going to miss you a lot. So thank you so much for everything that you've done. Um, we have a small gift for you. Um, and uh, the silver lining here is that um, Brenton is going to stay on staff as our part-time administrative assistant. He's just going to do it remotely. So there's going to continue to be uh, connection and stuff that way. So we're grateful. We're going to pray for them now. Um, And so I just invite you to kind of reach your hand out towards them. I'm going to put my hands on them here, and and, uh, let's just lift them to the Lord. Well, God, this couple means so much to me, and it means so much to Table Church, literally founding members, God, that so much about this congregation would not be what it is if it wasn't for them. And, And so, Lord, I pray now that you would take all that they've done and that you just transfer it over as a blessing unto them. Lord, they enter into a a new phase in life that's not going to be easy, but it's going to be purposeful and it's going to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. And Lord, I know that Moses heard your voice when 
when it was a matter of moving to Des Moines. I know he heard your voice when it was a matter of, of marrying Isabella, and I can't deny that. I, I think he hears your voice now. And so, God, would you make their path straight? Would you anoint them, fill every nook and cranny of their relationship in their home? And God, I pray for the kids that are going to come into their home, that they would sense something special about them, that they would see you, Jesus, in them. Let that place be a place of healing and hope, God. Lord, we're grateful for the tremendous future that they have, for their hearts of service to you. Lord, they're an inspiration and a model for us all. We love you, God, in your name. Amen. All right, would you thank, would you thank Brent, Brenton and Isabella for all that they've done? Thanks, guys. I, I think it's only fair to say that um, those are some big shoes to fill, and so we're going to be looking out to you guys to see how we can assist with some of that void of them leaving us. So as I conclude, do you remember those questions I asked you at the beginning of my sermon? If you put your hand up, for any or multiple of those questions of how Table Church has blessed you in one way or another, today I formally invite you to join hands with us. Not 25%, not 50%, not 75%, but 100%. I believe each and every one of you have a role to play with, a con- with contributing towards this church. Remember, it should be done intentionally, sacrificially, and habitually. Be blessed, church. Thank you.